Man, I am recording this introduction just a few hours after the news broke about the tragic passing of True Goy, Dave, Plug 2 from De La Soul. I'm in a state of kind of disbelief right now. De La Soul was a transformative group to me in my life. They're one of the most impactful and important groups of all time. They changed the culture several times over with their catalog and their commitment to being themselves. Both Dave and Paz are brilliant writers, and they put on one of the greatest live shows in hip-hop that I've ever seen, and I was fortunate enough to have caught them several times on stage. I have family that got into town just hours before the news broke online, so you know I, I haven't really been able to like properly process the news, but I do know that the music lives forever. And while it seems like some kind of cruel joke that this would happen less than a month before De La Soul finally gets their catalog put out on streaming after many, many years of being criminally excluded from the way that most people consume music, what I do know is the legacy of De La Soul is truly cemented and will forever be held in the highest, highest regard. Rest peacefully, Dave. You changed the world, and you changed my world. It's the Questions Hip Hop Podcast. You are listening to it, and I am the host of this show, Sean Kantrowitz. Now, before we get into this week's episode, wow, I just got to say, we had our first live show in three years last week at Delicious Pizza in Hollywood. It was our Dilla celebration with the Boom Bap Kids, and it was one for the books. One of our biggest events ever. It was, quite frankly, a perfect evening, as far as I'm concerned. Jay Dilla-themed trivia game, video drops and appearances from friends of the show Dan Charnas, Mad Skills, and Frank Nitt. Fun interplay with the Boom Bap Kids, those crazy shit-talking puppets. Music, food. Man, shout out to everybody who came through, had fun, picked up a copy of the Questions Hip Hop Trivia card game, it was so great to see so many familiar faces and so many new faces. We're going to do something like this again sooner than later. I promise it will not be another three years. In fact, we're going to be back in L.A. next Friday, February 24th at the Echoplex as part of Dre Day L.A. It's going to be a special Dr. Dre themed game, completely different format than what we usually do. But if you're in L.A., you already know that this is a night that is not to be missed. Because not only do you have the questions out there doing our thing with the Boom Bap Kids, but you've also got Dr. Dre-related music all night, courtesy of DJ Battle Cat and J-Rock, Residents, Inca One, and Expo. We got Mona Lisa, Endo, and DJ Loser. There's exclusive merchandise and giveaways, a chronic photo booth, and much more. Go to DreDayLA.com to get your advance tickets, and we will see you out there. We are back this week with part two of my conversation with Midas the Beast. Last week, he and I largely talked about the release of the Questions Hip Hop Trivia game that I wrote and published in January. And this week, I'm talking to him about his newly released latest album, The Devil's Playground. We really go under the hood with this one, talking about Midas's writing process, the evolution of his sound throughout his career, and the particularly harrowing experience that he went through in making this album. I got, you know, I gotta be honest, I got a little choked up 
in this conversation because it really brought back um, a lot of memories and feelings that I had in 2020 as my friend was facing um, a truly challenging time. But I'll let him tell it. So whether you're up on Midas's music or you just know him from the Making Elmatic series or maybe you're not super familiar with him at all, I think you're really going to enjoy this second part in our conversation. So let's pick it up where we left off with Midas the Beast, who is also about to rap this show's theme song. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. Who rapping there? That remix and what happened when? That's the question. It's, it's interesting because I've known you for so long. I, yeah. I was actually talking with, uh, with somebody that we both know the other day and trying to figure out when we first met. I actually don't remember meeting you. I feel like you just, like maybe this is a simulation and at some point you just got implanted into my brain. It's like, oh yeah, it's Midas. I remember- no, I don't remember either. I remember seeing you before I met you. I remember, that makes sense though. I remember we were both in Orlando and there was mm. a venue that was in- a small shopping plaza off university where like there was a bookstore for the yes. university of central Florida. Yeah. And, and I remember seeing you perform there. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably was like 2003, 2004. Yeah. This would have been. So the, 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 the very, so right quick, one thing that I want you to take under your belt as a project that I would love to partake in. I'm going to put this in the ether right now. <laughs> Yeah. Because you're actually the perfect person to spearhead this. You've got to do a documentary on the Hush show. I know. I know. And Conscious, our, our mutual friend, has the footage. That's going to be the hardest part is getting the footage from him. I saw him the other day. We'll talk later. But he's got the footage. All right. He's so for, the the, for those who don't know, the Hush show was an event that was done in Orlando on the campus of the University of Central Florida that basically was... Uh, an incredible stomping ground, not just for the local talent that would emerge and propagate in the city, but a lot of people who have gone on to do amazing things right. on a national and an international level. A lot of people don't know that the seeds of battle rap come from Orlando. A lot that came from that, man. There, and it, it was just an amazing time. And maybe I also a saw you. A lot of influence. And and it's underreported on, uh, but I might have seen you at a Hush show around then too. And then I also remember seeing you like at the record store that was on campus as well. At right. Some point. Well, I, I bring up I brought up the Hush show because that university on University Boulevard bookstore was after the Hush show left um, the, the college. Yeah, that was one of the places that it, it was trying to be resurrected. Right. So you prob th- that that was probably a later hush show that that you were that we were both at. Right. So I bring all of that up to say that I know you for a while and there are undoubtedly people listening and watching this who are familiar with you, but I also feel that in the realm of the questions and people who maybe are more familiar with you as the guy who 
you know, does the making omatic thing. Yeah. Like for people who who don't know the the breadth of the discog and they don't like know like where do you sort of envision or position yourself as an artist uh, presently? Because I've also seen you evolve over mm -hmm. the last like two decades, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like what, what kind of zone and pocket do you feel you sort of sit in with this project, particularly Devil's Playground? Yeah. Um, so I've always had a, you know, I, I started working on music, uh, professionally, I'd say maybe in 2005 or 2006, I did stuff even before that, but in a real way, probably 2005, 2006. And I think. You know, I always had a vision of two things. I always had a vision of what what kind of music I wanted to make, and I also always had a vision of what I wanted to sound like on on those tracks. Like I I, al I always knew what I wanted to, how I wanted to rap, and and what that sounded like. Yo, it's real like wild osmosis because like I knew what I wanted to sound like years before I figured out how to sound like it. Hmm. Like everything, I, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, everything that I've done, everything that I did from 19, you know, 96 when I was writing my first raps to probably 2013 was testing grounds <laughs> of me trying to trying to match this sound that I had in my head. Like I had, I had it, I had it from then. Um, but I, you know, part of it was I didn't have the, the know-how. Another part of it was I didn't know the right people to collaborate with, to, 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 to pull it. you right. So like it took a long time um, and a lot of ups and downs and circumstance to get to the sound of this record. You know but how saying? would you like, sum that up? Like, how would how would you describe that sound? You know, I, I was real early on wanting to do, um, you know, stuff over drum like drumless stuff. Um, now, let me be clear. I love rhyming on drums too. Like, this is not like a a thing where it's like, hey, I only wanted to do drumless hip hop. Nah, but but. It's, now it's bastardized because a lot of people do it. But when I was first thinking about it, nobody was doing it. You know what I'm saying? You were so super really, early. You were super huh? early. My, you were super early. Like m yeah. much to the chagrin of me, particularly. Yeah. I was I was very staunchly anti anti drums. Like in the beginning, I was just like, why? Like. I love so much of your older stuff where the drums were hard and you had drums from like czarism and, and, yep. and I make mad beats and stuff. Yep. So I, I was resistant and, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll own, I'll take the L now. Like you definitely were a ahead of the curve and B do it very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was really, really, really early on that wanting to be my sound and, 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 like I guess my defining sound because it's not the only thing that I do, but it was it was you know one of my favorite records um, coming up, and it's actually like it's my favorite Wu Tang song, and it's one of my favorite songs is uh, Heaven and Hell, uh, Raekwon and Ghostface, and I just remember the emotion that that record created to me. Like to me, that record is emotional when I hear it, 
and it's you know it's it's a, it's basically it's basically a drumless loop right so like it's it, and then like i remember hearing like america is dying slowly um you know and 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 just being able to capture the emotion and i and i and i started to think about music in a way of being like yeah bro like hip hop when it's when it's boom bap that's this thing but i want to do like emotional cinematic music like that was kind of where my head was i want to do emotional cinematic music and a big part of this is like again when i when i say i knew what i wanted to sound like i knew i knew what kind of voice i had right um and i kept like i thought when i would listen to myself like man i really clash with the drums a lot like that's mm. something that i used to think and i'm saying a lot a lot's happening and when i'm already doing too much and then the drums are doing too much there's too much going on it, yeah. this is a lot right and it, to me it started to feel like a battle between when you listen to this track are you listening to me or are you listening to this and i want you to listen to me so i wanted to create music in which there was space for me to tell my stories and for you to hear my stories i think that was the biggest thing so like i went to a sean price show once uh and my whole perspective on like performing and even recording even advanced like this idea even advanced at this sean price show because I had never been to a hip hop show in which somebody was rapping on stage and people in the crowd were hanging on the words, the bars. So here's what I mean. You'll go to a, you'll go to a Nas show and you'll rap every lyric, but you know the lyrics, right? Like you've heard the album 38 times, right? Like, so, to watch Sean Price kick a verse on stage that nobody in the crowd knew the verse and everybody sat there and hung on the words. So every bar he spit, somebody turned to the left and said, yo, did you hear what he said? I'm going, oh, I need to get, I need to get there because I'm doing that. Like I'm doing that. I'm, I'm saying wild stuff, but I'm on stage rapping and people in the crowd are not hearing me. They're not, they're hearing me, but they ain't hearing me. Right. And I and, and I work too hard on these bars for y'all to not hear me. They're crazy. Right. So there was a lot of that going on to where I got to the space where I was like, yeah, I really I really want what I'm saying to be heard clearer. I want to clash less. Um, and again, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, you know, I'm not making music to dance to. That's not the it's <laughs> not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm 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 making the kind of music I like to listen to you know, when I'm driving or, or you know, when I'm feeling um, introspective and things of that nature. So that was really the, the impetus of kind of just the style of this record was, you know, um, you know, I was looking for a producer um, who, you know, I, back in 2012 and 13, I did this record Loops and Loops 2, where I just looped up stuff and rhymed on it. And it was really because at the time, I didn't really know anybody who, like if I present, like I'm not a producer, but if I had a sample, like I would be like, yeah, I want I want you to freak this, but like not overproduce it. And like, I didn't really know who to turn to 
to to to achieve that sound in my head. So I just looped up stuff and rhymed, and, and rhymed on it myself. And it really wasn't until I met my man Deli um, that I was able to realize that, okay, he understands the sound that I'm talking about, the vision that I'm talking about as far as, hey, you hear this sample? You hear it the way I hear it though, right? Yo, that's crazy. Do what you do. And, and 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 we started to have some symmetry. So, but all of that really started from way back then. But I I had the idea and the vision for this sound back then. So that raises a question that ties into I I had, uh, reached out to the questions Patreon and let them know we were going to do this, and uh, I got a good question from it that uh, that. I wanted to share with you and I think kind of ties into what you just spoke about. It's from uh, Sam Sneeze uh, and it's about the collaborative process. And he wanted to know what kind of collaborative environment do you feel most comfortable making music? One where there is a set concept that needs to be fine tuned or one where it's completely spontaneous and comes together organically. Now I know you've done both types of things and, but I don't actually know what your preference is as a writer. Mm. And I'm also curious what it's like or what it was mostly like with this project specifically. Well, this project is this project sits in a whole different space than a lot of stuff. Um, but in general, you, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm I'm an assassin. Right. So like I'm a work for hire. Right. So like if. I, I kind of morph to whatever the creative process is gonna be. I can kind of sit in all those spaces. What I prefer is going back to what I was just saying about even, you know, when we were talking about drums a second ago, I like space. I like space, I like freedom of, because I have ideas, I have thoughts, I have concepts, I, it's all swirling around in here. I, I, I'll say that the hardest, the hardest thing to work on is when I get a real specific, uh, you know, instruction, that, that's a little difficult. And what makes that a little difficult is, not that it's difficult to, to write the concept, the concepts themselves or whatever, I can write any concept. The difficulty is, and this goes kind of back to what we were just talking about as well, and to the Devil's Playground, I write emotional music. Now what's interesting is you may not, understand what I mean by emotional music because I'm not like every song like yo my aunt was there for me and then you know like she passed away like that's not because yeah, she was actually never there for you that, that, was, that was the big know, thing no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no she might hear this she definitely was <laughs> um, but it's not that kind of emotional what I mean by emotional music is I have an emotional connection to the music that's being created so when I, I hear a beat I have to I have to marry the music. You know, I, this term might be a little played out and ubiquitous at this point, but I think that it's maybe even closer than emotional. It's kind of the vibe, uh, like not yeah, in the way that's I mean, like, vibe is, is abused at this point. There's like, oh, it's a vibe, it's a vibe. Like, yeah, we get it. Everything's no, it, a vibe. it is. But like, I would even say it's, it's on another level than just a vibe because it's like, I have to, I have to emotionally connect to the music. To, to, for you to get the best version of me, I've gotta, I've gotta really feel it. And the struggle with that is that if I really feel it, then your idea may not be what I really feel. Right. And that's really difficult. That's really difficult. So like, 
producer will send me a beat. This used to happen to me a lot back in the day. I think I've earned a lot of trust in in the years because this doesn't happen to me much anymore. But back in the day, I used to get beats with concepts attached all the time, right? So Don't worry, like, I, th- there's a hook already on the song, so you just yeah, just write yeah, the yeah, rhymes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, 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 I already have a hook. And like, so what I want you to do here, you're going to rap from the perspective of Spider-Man, right? Don't worry, we already got you. I got my girl, she's singing the hook on the song. Yo, I'm a zebra. The song is about being a zebra. Right, and I would hear the, I would, so just when you told me that, I would go, oh, okay, cool, right? Like, whatever. Then I'd play the beat, and I'd be like, I don't hear that at all. (laughs) Like, I hear a whole different set of circumstances. I hear a corner store, I, you know, I'm hearing this, you know, and so now writing the zebra story is, is like, it's like a clash of concepts in my brain that don't work together. So collaborative is best for me when, um, best for me, not impossible, but best for me uh, when I have space and I right. get to be, I get to be creative as well. Yeah, I think in many respects, what you're describing is that you're also a producer and that yeah, you're actually sure. you're you're not just like, hey, rap on the song, do the raps. Yes, all I'll do is write the rap. So that, that makes sense. You had mentioned earlier that you feel this project has the fingerprint or imprint of COVID on it. Oh, yeah. not, not in a literal sense. I mean, look, you it's safe to stream the album. You'll be fine. Uh, but <laughs> in, in what way? Because I know you, you had mentioned earlier, and as much as you want to or, or, or you know, want to, you know, sort of allude to however you want to about the, your process and, and your, oh, yeah. um, your experiences, how, what, what are the main imprints on Devil's Playground in terms of what happened in 2020 and moving forward? Yeah, so, um, you know, Deli and I started working on Where the Sidewalk Ends, I'd say, in 2018. That was the previous album that you put out. Right. Or actually yeah. the two albums ago or two projects ago, right? Right, right. But but Devil's, or excuse me, uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends is, is pretty much the spiritual predecessor to Devil's Playground. Like, even the stuff in between you know we saw, we were working on where the sidewalk ends and then we started working on the devil's playground right so like it's it's kind of it kind of sits like that but we were working on where the sidewalk ends um and towards like i think we had finished the last song cuz where the sidewalk ends came out february of 2020 um um yeah february of 2020 by the last song that we were writing and recording um, for Where the Sidewalk Ends, so I started feeling sick. I wasn't feeling well. My back was hurting. I was feeling, wasn't feeling so well, which then led to a million doctor visits and finding out that I had, I was diagnosed with cancer, with lymphoma. And I, I got my diagnosis in the first week of January of 2020. Right, so COVID hadn't hit yet. Yeah. Right, so I'm in the hospital. Like I, I, I went to the, I went to the emergency room, like trying to see what's good, and then I was in the hospital for 31 days in a row. Right, like just from the emergency room visit. So, number one, I had a plan for Sidewalk to come out in February, and like I was hell bent on making sure that it happened, no matter what, even though I was in the hospital. 
Um, and, you know, like the, the, the being in the hospital thing is a thing. Like I had never spent time in the hospital. I didn't know what that life was like. And so um, I was, you know, it's very isolating. It's, you know, there was a lot going on. My diagnosis wasn't great. We didn't know if I was coming out of this or if I wasn't coming out of this, right? So like the thing that I leaned into a lot during that time and the 31 days in the hospital was, I kept telling Deli, send me beats. <laughs> I was like, yo, send me beats. Yo, and like shout out to, uh, you know, I know Dilla did a lot in the hospital towards the end. Like I get, I get it. Like I was in there and I was like, yo, send me beats. It was, you know, I was writing a lot in the hospital. But what was your thought process in that? Like, is it just like, I need to pass the time? This this makes me feel better, so I want to do it? Or did, was, was there like an uncertainty about like, I need to get these out now because I don't know what's going to happen? Yeah. Where, where, where was your head at? Uh, I was bored, mainly, <laughs> right? Like, I was like, yo, there's, I can't do anything. Like I'm just laying, like when I was, you know, the way that my diagnosis worked, like I had all this debilitating back pain. I I couldn't walk, you know, like I was laid up in the bed, you know, I'm not a huge TV watcher, you know what I'm saying? So like there wasn't anything for me to do besides sit there and like be in pain and like that's it, you know, and like talk to people and stuff. So it was, I was really bored and I was like, I need to, and you know, the problem with the boredom in that sense is all you think about is your pain and what's gonna happen, you know? Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen next. Am I gonna live? Am I, am I gonna die? And, oh, I have a surgery in two days. What's this surgery gonna be like? Is it gonna suck? Like, I needed reprieve from those thoughts. It sounds like you needed a hip hop trivia card game, really. I, <laughs> I, like, I, that, I was, been, that would've been quite helpful. Uh, for some of those long hospital nights. But I was, I needed other things to think about. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, when I go into, when I hear a beat that I'm, that I have an emotional connection to, it, it transports me to another place where I'm not thinking about everything that's happening on, on planet Earth, right? So like I was, for me, it was a way to, escape the circumstance a little bit for an hour here, an hour there, you know, and just kind of like when I was in the zone writing something, laying in the bed, writing on my phone, for that hour, I was not in the hospital. I was not, you know, I was, I was the beast. I was the murderer. You know what I'm saying? And I was back in that zone. So like that was, and and, and I was telling Deli, like Deli would send me like six beats and I'd be like, send me six more. And he would wow. send me six more, and I'd be like, I need more, bro. Like He'd be like, and he would text me back, like, yo, I sent you like 14 beats yesterday. And I'm like, yeah, I wrote to 11 of them. Like, I need you to send me more. You know what I mean? And it was, it was honestly, it was the thing that kept me, I think, working on, and, and at the time, I didn't know I was working on the Devil's Playground. I was just doing, I was just writing, right? But it was the thing that kept me jazzed up and kept my spirits high while I was going through that whole thing. So how it connects to COVID is I get ready to, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to get discharged. I'm going to start chemotherapy. Uh, I think I started chemo 
the first or second, like the second week of February, I think I come home and I start, um, I start chemo and um, I put out where the sidewalk ends. Like right when I got out, I put out where the sidewalk ends. But then at the same time, like I get home and like there's, 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 there's conversation about this, this, um, this, this COVID thing. I remember my, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey man, like there's this thing going on. It, it looks like it's coming to the US. It's gonna be a problem. And you know, it was funny because my biggest, one of my biggest concerns when I was in the hospital was, man, when I get home, I'm gonna, like all my friends are gonna be out and like having fun. And I remember in the hospital, they told me like, you know, I was gonna have to wear a mask. And they were like, you're gonna have to wear a mask because your immune system's gonna be so low and you can't like be getting sick and stuff. And I'm like, so I'm gonna be like walking in Publix with a mask on, like people are gonna be looking at me all crazy. Go figure. Silver lining, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so life, you know, my first session of chemo was in the, like my first session or two was kind of like in the regular world and then COVID hits. And, you know, now, like, while everybody was, like, worried about COVID, COVID didn't really stress me out that much. I was worried about cancer. You were dealing <laughs> with like, something way more immediate and, yeah, and personal. Yeah, I was like, hey, guys, I'm already sick. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm not even stressing. So, like, I was, I was super in the you know, in the house, not doing anything, just kind of in a, in a whatever. But I got home and the first thing that I really wanted to do was record all these joints that I wrote in the, uh, in the hospital. And the crazy thing about it was, you know, you get home, I was on a, I wasn't working at my, 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 my day job. I wasn't really work cause I was, you know, going through chemo and then COVID hits, so then nobody's working, right? And like the, the, for for my for the job that I work at, there was no everything. Everything was stopped for a while. So all I had to do was, you know, work on my health. A, but I was I was waking up and coming in the lab and re recording all of those joints, and then tell, still telling Deli like, send me more, send me more, because. I'm home, you know what I'm saying? Like I need I need stuff to kind of occupy my thought process. So right. we, I count it, we were, you know, Devil's Playground is an album of 15 songs. We recorded like 240 songs in 2020. Woo! Yeah. Like, and do you think that more of those will like maybe be grouped on another project or like- I, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll pop up on different things. You know, we've, we've been talking about different ways. Cause they're, they're, the 15, you know how some people say, well, we picked the best 15 joints. I don't even think that's the case. I just- You picked the worst I 15, just, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> right, it's the worst. We picked we pick the 15 songs that kind of fit each other for the concept of the idea of the project. But right. there's a lot of good records. And you know, I'm, they'll fit different concepts of different records. Cause they weren't, the thing was they weren't all in the same, uh, the same vein. So like I, I released last year, 8487. Uh, 8487's got a real upbeat, real, um, you know, it, it's a much more fun album than Devil's Playground. We recorded all those songs at the same time. Right. You know, so it, we were recording all kinds of different songs that just kind of fit different concepts and things of that nature. But um, yeah, they'll come, but we, we, we were, that, that number is because we were recording 
like crazy. He was he was home making beats, a million beats. I was home able to write, and I'm already a quick writer as it is, and I've got the lab, and you know I was able to just kind of quickly bang out. So we went we went wild and crazy. So that's really like the impetus of like where the where the record came from. It's I mean look, I have a lot of sympathy and understanding for anybody who spent those years just doing what they needed to maintain and get by because I totally understand it and get it but it's so dope the people that I do know who actually really use that time to have somewhat unprecedented productivity and creativity and I see parallels to what you're describing with what you know I was kind of doing with the questions and some of the other projects that happened mm -hmm. now you talk about themes on the album and you know sort of curating putting together things that made sense for the devil's playground concept what are some of those themes or sort of concepts that you think turn up a lot in the songs? Because I, I, I think we should also say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if there were things that like I didn't pick up on when I've heard the record, but this is not the Midas rapping about he has cancer album is to, yeah. to, to my ears. I don't even know. No, with, with what I know about you, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if there are actually no songs that that there you are. ever recorded. Okay, out of even out of the two hundred, there's no there's no there's, cancer. There's right? a, there's two so, there's two songs that mention it. Wow, but they're not about it. There's right. nothing about it. Yeah. So the, yeah. I just wanted to make that clear because this is, obviously was a big impact, but like this is not the the the. The triumphant battle over no. illness album. No, no. <laughs> just no. the face that you just made. It, it, it was such a like get get the fuck out of here. Like I'm not gonna no. rap about that shit. No, so, I'm not, so no. what I'm are not. the themes that sort of um, pop up in this collection of the 15 that you chose for the album? Yeah. So where where the cancer does come into play is you know the boredom. So I was listening to. Uh, Who's that? Uh, what's your man's? The uh, the the Chuck Klosterman. Oh yeah. So I, I was listening to a podcast with Chuck Klosterman, and he was talking about the concept of boredom. Him and Bill Simmons, they were going back and forth about the concept of boredom and its effect on society. You know, people are less innovative because there's less boredom. You know, boredom bred innovation because you had time to think right and now people don't spend a lot of time thinking because every second of your day you're consumed with something some sort of media some sort of this like you used to sit on the toilet and you just think you know and then then you sat on the toilet with a magazine and now you sit on the toilet with your phone right uh he was even saying like at the you know the last sacred spot was like at at stoplights and now at stoplights, everybody's got a phone up. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. like nothing sacred as it as it pertains to uh, you know time to think. And like the Devil's Playground really came from me having nothing but time to think. You know, so like I thought it was a real crazy like dichotomy of like I heard I was really fascinated about because when I heard it, I was like, you know, I never thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Like this this concept of like innovation comes from boredom and like maybe we'll see less innovation because there's less boredom and then I was dumb bored you know <laughs> what I'm saying like and I was just like I have nothing but time to think so like this album and, and, and a lot of that stuff that was written but you know 
it, it came from just this idea, and that's where the title came from. You know, it's uh, the an, an idle mind is the devil's playground, um, and I had a real idle mind during during that stretch. You know, and so then I was. I, you know, I feel like I was hearing beats different, but honestly, it it was less about the the beats, and it was, I mean, which the production is crazy. Shout out Delhi, but it was more about the way I wanted to rap. This album was a, I wanted to rap a certain way. I wanted to really get close and or achieve the like Nirvana of like what I've been trying to sound like for twenty years now, right? which was, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be super skilled, but use less words doing it, which I think for most people who listen to hip hop, for novices, you know, the more words you can cram, the iller you are. You know, the more words you can use, the iller you are. But I, I started getting really uh, fascinated by space and, you know, dragging words and and using my voice as an instrument. And but then I wanted all of that to happen and still say complex, ill things. Right. Not and just was, to be style over substance. Kind of. Yeah. Both. Yeah. I want, right. I didn't want to have style over. I wanted to have a marriage of like of. Oh wait a minute! What he just did's crazy because he didn't stuff a whole bunch of words in there. He said that 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 da, and it means this. Like that's kind of where I was going with it, and you know the idle that idle time that I had, you know, of kind of going through all of that and the world being shut down, I think gave me the space to think differently about writing, which allowed for. You know, I think how some of these songs came out. Hip hop in the 90s. It was incredible. It was groundbreaking. And let's be honest here, sometimes it was weird. Gold Rush is Stupid Fly Media's latest hip hop podcast. Each week, your host, Sean Kantrowitz, that's me, will be uncovering a different topic from the golden era of hip hop. Some of it will hold a special place in your heart. Some of it will be a subject you may have forgotten about. And some of it, well, some of it we're still looking back and wondering, how the hell did this happen? And we won't be going on this journey alone. Each episode features in-depth, brand new interviews with the artists, producers, eyewitnesses, and key behind-the-scenes players of the golden era, including Graham Pooba, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, DJ Evil D, Fatlip from The Far Side, Hank Shockley of The Bomb Squad, Young MC, David Faustino, Merce, and many more. We all have great memories about 90s hip-hop, but you've never heard a podcast that looks back at it like this. Gold Rush, coming February 7th. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and follow at Stupid Fly Media and at Hip Hop Gold Rush for more updates and exclusive content. Hey, 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 what's happening? This is Parker Edison of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS, a podcast that zooms way in on what really makes a culture. Food, music, sex, fashion, all of that. Join me for the Parker Edison Project, a sonic exploration that starts with a thought and ends with a musical bang. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, 
I, I totally hear that. And, and it's definitely a progression. It's been so interesting to know you personally and also to listen to so much of your music as it's evolved. And I just think that the goal that you want for any artist is that they become more self-assured and more identifiable with their own style. And I, I think that that's really where you're at with this, where it doesn't sound like you have a sound, you have an approach, you have an aesthetic that is its own. You, there are things, of course, we're always going to compare to other artists. Yeah. yeah, there's influence and there's like, you could say contemporaries are sort of operating in the same lane, especially now that everybody got on the early Midas, like the, the Atkins diet for drums, you know, like kind yeah. of cutting out <laughs> the, the, the drums. But, you know, I, it's to me, it's something that I want and I'm hopeful that, you know, more people get on board with it as as the style becomes even more self-assured and, and more uh, just a, its own identity, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But also at the same time, you're at a stage in your career where you're clicked up with a new click, mm -hmm. which is, you know, Planet Asia and, and Gold Chain. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even actually know how that came about. I, I know that you've known Asia, but... Mm -hmm. I just like I just feel like I was talking to you as as we speak frequently. You're just like one day you were just like yeah you know gold chain music you know gold chain. And I was like <laughs> okay like and I was like yeah, yeah yeah I know what he's talking about. I was like what is he talking about? And then I was like oh okay he's like he's like down with Planet Asia and and a, a whole slew of other artists. So tell me about the sort of development of that and what what is that relationship like with fucking Planet Asia? Yeah, I mean well I mean he's a. He's a he's a legendary lyricist. I mean, P Planet Asia is one of the goats. Um, you know, yo, Planet Asia is ill. There's so many rooms that I go in. Like I, I I was actually telling him this the other day. His name is like a green card in in rooms. It's bugged out. Like I'll be in a room and I'll be like, yeah, nah, 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 Planet Asia, and dudes will be like, Oh, you know Planet Asia. And this comes from every different aspect. Or like, to go back to our to a previous example, it's the speakeasy code that gets you through the back door. You just say Planet Asia at the door and like, here's the real entrance. I'm <laughs> constantly <laughs> surprised. I mean, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm constantly surprised about, and, and it's not just people like, oh, I know of, it, he's met all these people. He's met everybody like on the planet. So like, I'll be in a room and I'll be like, yeah, you know, and I'll, uh, you know, da, 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 Planet Asia. And I'll be like, oh, that's my man. And I'm like, word? Like, how is this possible? He's just, he's just, he's an everyman, but then he's a superhuman at the same time. Um, so, you know, big shout out to Planet Asia. What basically happened is, you know, uh, do Planet Asia for a while through Czarism. Him and Czarism did um, via satellite the album. You know, Zar was gracious enough to allow me to um, partake in a couple of the records on there, and I also know, played I, bass on one of those records as well. I'm I'm, I'm on the the Via Satellite album as well. Hold on, which which one did you do bass on? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I didn't even know this. I, I I am on there. I forget the name of it. I want to say, uh, no, I don't remember. Is it one I'll, of the ones I'm on. I don't I think so. Songs, I, I don't think so. I'll drop it in. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and listen and I'll drop it All in. Right. But yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, Zara was gracious enough to allow me to um, partake on that record. And, and and Planet Asia was gracious enough to allow me to partake in that record because, you know, 
it was a it was a big record for those guys at the time, and I'm on there three times or four three or four times, something like that. And you know, like nobody's on that record. Like as a guest, there wasn't nobody on that record three times. You know what I'm saying, or anything like that. And you know, that's Planet Asia's album, so he could have got anybody to be on those spots. But you know, they 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 had me in those spots, and I, I was I was gracious to. Um, and, and very, or excuse me, I was I was very thankful to have that opportunity. But what ended up happening was, you know, me and PA just developed a friendship. Um, and you know, every now and again, get on the phone, text, whatever, this, that, and the third. Um, you know, he did the favors for me, jumped on some of my stuff, you know, whatever like that. Well, that and that what that that was back in twenty, you know. 12, 12 yeah because he was on au i remember yeah. so um, whatever in that in that era was when all that took place so, by the way by the way before you get into that uh i can confirm it was a song you were on it's the song essence oh um, fire yeah 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 i mean this was you know that album came out a while ago and we worked that, that album was like a long time in the making too so yeah it was that's the other thing people don't understand is that album was probably three three years or so in the making it was a long time coming but yeah uh so anyway stayed in contact or whatever but uh yo it, this is the funniest part of the story i got a phone call from planet asia in 20 i i, I got a phone call from him in 20 20 toward the end of 2020 after I've I would say September ish um so you know the at least in Florida the world is starting to get back to normal uh because we not quite in LA there. yeah no it yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the case um so September ish of 2020 I get a I just get a very cold random call I probably haven't talked to Planet Asia in three years at this point right my phone rings it says planet asia on it i answer i'm like yo peace he literally said and shout out to pa he, he's always yelling like he just talks loud so i was like hello he's like hey yo midas i'm like what's up he was like you my artist now <laughs> wow and i was like huh and he i mean pretty much this is how the conversation went and he's like yo you my artist now he was like you and me, man. I got you, man. Gold chain. I'm I'm revamping this gold chain thing, and you know I want you in. Um, you and me. And I was like, all right. And he was like, all right, peace. And then that was the conversation. So this explains like, why you explained it to me in a similar way, where you just one day I was on the phone with you, you're like, yeah, I'm Planet Asia now, gold chain. And I was like, wait, what? There's no, there's no. Exp- okay. Yeah, it kind of it kind of happened that way. So I was like, I had no doubt. And you know, me and him have an ill chemistry as far as just how we see words, how we see lyrics, how we like production. So you know, in that space, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great collab it's a great collaboration. But yeah, that, that's how it was presented and. Um, you know, from there, we just started working on things and, you know, um, kind of he's been laying the seeds for, you know, which is interesting because the Gold Chain album drops on February 3rd as well as Devil's Playground. So it's right. kind of an ill, like, symmetry of things where both of those projects kind of drop on the same day, um, um, you know, about how this Gold Chain thing came to be. And, 
and it's led to you know now uh, him and I have a collaborative album on the on the way too. So big shout out to my big bro uh, Planet Asia for his for his support. He's he's the best. You're certainly not a new artist by any means. So yeah. your collaboration and affiliation with him is probably not going to look the same as it would had this happened to you when you were very fresh, wet behind the ears. Yeah. But what what would you say has that experience been in being kind of closer in his circle? Has there been anything that you've sort of observed or kind of peeped from him that has maybe it, it informs your writing or maybe it just informs the vision of what an album is or, or beyond being like the the password that earns you like credibility and points with anybody in the continental you know united states yeah like what what are what are any other sort of things that you've taken and learned from him in this time nah he's just a he is just a he's a scientist like he has writing on as good as he is, and he's amazing, he's got writing on autopilot. Like, I don't even know that it, it I don't think it, I don't think it, it's no sweat. There's no sweat on his brow to write. Like he writes flawlessly. So like, we'll, we'll be, like a beat will come on and, you know, like, and here's the thing, I, I think I write, like, I think I write like that too, until I'm in the room with him and I'm like, God, man, like this dude's different. So like the beat will come on and I'll sit there and I'll be like, okay. And then I'll start, I'll start writing and I think I'm coming up with some things and I got a, I got a couple lines and then I'll look and be like, yo, what you got? And he'll start rapping and I'll be like, what? Like, that's what you did in the last 10 minutes? You, this literally happened the other day. We were, uh, we were in the studio with Terminology, shout out Terminology and, um, he went in the he went into a different room and when he came back, I didn't even know that he was working on a rap. We didn't even know he was working on a rap at all. And he walked in and I, when he walked in, I think Term was spitting his verse to me. And I was like, woo. And then when Term finished, Asia starts rapping. And we just looked over like, what? Like, that's what you did in the last 10 minutes, bro? Like don't rip my shit up throw it away like you know whatever it's just I think the con the idea of just being he's just when it comes to writing and recording he's a he's a uber professional so like I think I think what I've learned under sitting under his uh his learning tree is just how to be more efficient you know and how to be a more effective uh you know writer in the sense of like he he just he just he just it's like he just clocks in the work, and does the work like it's not even a thing. Like oh universe, all right, boom 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 done. All right, what's up? What are we doing next? Like that's that's how he and it's and I say that, but I have to make sure I remove the disrespect because it's amazing. Like, right. It's not that he just does it and then some cookie cutter shit comes out. Like he does that and the most amazing thing you ever heard comes out, but. I want to, I think a message I would like to get to listeners of this is when you hear those ridiculous raps that he does, he does them easily. There's yeah. no, there's <laughs> it's no. Not toiled like, over with like revisions. Nah, and then, no, bro, no, 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 no. None of it. None of it. It's, I watch the process. It takes seconds. It's, <laughs> it's bananas. Wow. So 
with this album and with this mm. project, it, you know, it's such a interesting space that we've all been in when it comes to releasing projects. The world has changed so much. I'm thinking about, you know, the last album that we worked on together before I moved and we no longer lived close to each other was it feels like it's a different era completely oh, it now. Was. It's like it's, it's a different, different planet. Like, like, but, but everything, not even just like the way that you, you know, carry yourself musically, but just the world that we exist in was, is different. It was like, you know, blogs and, and, different. and, and CDs and, you know, all those things still exist, but, but, you know, it is different. And what's interesting about you too, is that you, you've already checked off so many things that most artists will probably never accomplish mm. and when i say that i mean you do have a fan base that will check for you off the name alone mm. you've worked on songs with incredible producers not just mm. the ones that we know and have like you know slept on floors with together but i'm talking about the alchemists and the onos and mm. the marco polos mm. and collaborated with a lot of artists that you know some you caught when they were on their rise some were already mm -hmm. you know risen like you, you, you've got the planet asia collab album on deck you, you know i know you've worked with rock marciano before mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of different people so when it comes to the time of releasing an album like devil's playground what will be the metric for you that deems it to be effective and success because because and, and let me like couch that with saying like obviously if you make something dope and you love it and pe and people love it then like it's a success you know it's it's like great we, you make the art but is there anything for you in your career now that sort of like will be the meter mover of like man it'd be really dope if this happens from this that this is this is the next like step i'm trying to take yeah, I mean, I think just I tend to feel and maybe a lot of artists feel this way. I don't I don't know, but I tend to feel like I do I think I think I do weird music. Right? So I think I do not so easily consumed music. It's a point of contention sometimes with me and some people that I talk to and work with, but I think I do music that's just not easy to digest. So I am always surprised when anybody likes what I'm doing. I'll be honest. I'm always like, oh, you, you love, like, I know, I know I do good. I know it's good, but I also don't feel like my music always finds the listener that it's intended for, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the biggest metric for me is just getting more more ears on it um, and getting more, being able to go find all those people who feel like I do um, and listen how I listen, where this might be something transformative to them in the way that heaven and hell was transformative to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm still, I, I really want, I know they're out there. I want to find those people and go, hey, guess what? Somebody's thinking about you too. Like I know, you know, I know everybody wants to hear 6,000 drums on a song. I get it. But like, there's people like me out there. I know where you at. And like, 
you know, I know that there's people who like these concepts and this just style of this style of music, and I'm just constantly looking for them. You know, when we put out Sidewalk, I hadn't, I had, I had no expectation on Sidewalk. I was sick. I wasn't even thinking about nothing on Sidewalk. Listen, Sidewalk was the album. Sidewalk is the album that people talk to me about the most. Like, I mean. Anybody I talk to, it's sidewalk, 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 sidewalk. Hey, that album did this to me. That album did that to me. And I'm like, really? If Well, if that's the case, Devil's Playground is going to hit you a lot differently because I, I, I tend to think that Devil's Playground is sidewalk on steroids. So, you know, if you really like that, that energy that was on sidewalk, I think Devil's Playground will give you a lot more of that. But again, I just want to touch more to, uh more of the people who... who who are looking for something a little bit different. And, um, you know, like even even in the sense of, I, I had a friend tell me like, yo man, this Griselda's jumping now. Like, I bet you your 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 music is getting a lot more juice and everything with this Griselda thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't do Griselda music. Right. You know, like it's, I mean, could some of the BPMs be similar? Sure, you know? Can some of the samples be similar? Sure, but we're not doing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. So I don't even expect people, like I don't expect people who like Conway the Machine to 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 get Midas the Beast. We're not doing the same thing. Um, I don't I don't think it's the same genre, personally. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, that's the thing about hip hop. Hip hop's got genres upon genres, within genres, under genres. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, I think there's so many defining traits to, to, to hip hop and, I, I think I sit in a little a little slice, a little corner, you know. Like for instance, just because you like Family Guy doesn't mean you're gonna like uh, Rick and Morty, you know. Like it's not the same thing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And right. and I think I I think um, you know my music is a little bit of a a little bit of an offshoot of a of a bunch of different influences um, that I'm just real excited to get people to to hear and. You know, I'd like to be on some of them year end lists of like, because being on some of them year end lists would tell me, okay, no, people are connecting with this. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, you know, I want to broaden, broaden the base a little bit, um, but, but with people who get it. Well, I definitely think you're on the path to doing that. You, I mean, you have been doing that and it's been great to watch it. And, you know, I'm honestly just, I'm grateful to be able to watch it, to, to often get the sneak preview of it, to, to get the early access to it. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy that you've got yet another one to add to the catalog. And, you know, I'm I'm honestly just honored to call you my friend. So, hey, likewise. You. So, listen, as we wrap this up, Devil's Playground, February 3rd. It's out. Doing a live stream already. on February second, but yeah, um, this is going to come out. This will be uh, out after that live stream. But uh, Devil's Playground, February third. Um, the questions game is out now. Um, it's it's so out now that it's like you probably have it while we're listening to this, right? Like it's it's super out. So the so the questions game is out now. The Devil's Playground out now February 3rd um, and also uh, just keep an eye out because you know you know Sean and I wanted to do this pod just to really highlight the things that we're working on but there's so much more that we're working on too so just continue to keep an eye there's a lot more making Illmatics on the way um, we got some some other ideas 
in the pipeline for different yeah. kinds of concepts of yeah. pods that we're gonna bring out soon. Um, I got new music on deck. Sean's got secret, secret projects on deck. Sean's got secret projects that I know about because I'm a close friend. And then he's got secret, secret projects that I don't know about that maybe his girl knows about. Maybe I've got I've got a whole it. double life. I've got a secret family in, in another country that like I'm they not don't sure even know your about. Cat it. Knows about some of it. No, lo- loose lips, man. He he he's out of the circle of trust. <laughs> so he knows what he did. We got a lot on deck, but this was a, a a lovely conversation to have with my brother. You know what I'm saying? Uh love you to death. Can't yes, nobody sir. tell me shit about Sean Dammit. Yeah, I punch yeah. a motherfucker in his throat. <laughs> uh and then you're forever Sean Dammit to me. As well, I should, and that's why I couldn't immediately find my credit on the Planet Asia <laughs> album because it was actually under Sean Dammit on Discogs. So, uh, you know, it was it, it was another life. It was another time. But yeah, this was great, and uh, I'm almost certainly going to split this up into two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> no, this, I know we went lit, but hey, long. it was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was very fun. So, yeah. till next time, peace. Be sure to check out The Devil's Playground wherever you stream your music, and you can also pick it up at MidasTheBeast.Bandcamp.com. The Questions Hip Hop Trivia card game is still available wherever you buy books or games. It should be anyway, but you can definitely go to QuestionsHipHop.com to order yours, so go do that. Shout out to the Questions Patreon, the homies who hold it down, get early access to episodes, exclusive content, playlists, they get to ask questions, they get asked in some of these episodes, and, and so much more. So if you want to join the club, go to patreon.com slash thequestionshiphop and support this podcast. You can also support the podcast by rating it on the Apple Podcast app and leaving a review. This is free to do, and it honestly helps the show so much. We got to get these numbers up, people. So it takes like two seconds. Go do it. The Questions is a member of the Stony Island Audio Podcast Network. The show's theme is by Minus the Beast and Czarism, and I will be back next week with another episode. So I'll see you then. Peace. Stony Island Audio.